Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. everyone happy mondays welcome to the news agenda with me fleet street fox and today i'm joined by the mirrors associate editor jason Beatty. morning jason morning susie how are you right. i'm all right thank you very much um so this is the people's pay-per-view please get into the comments uh let us know what you're thinking and we'll do our best to answer your questions for you those of you listening later on podcast are just gonna have to tell everyone it was an early draft and you never meant to send it so what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the fact that a couple of high profile Tories have backed the nurses strike. More on that a bit later. But first, I want to take you to page six, where the first black woman in Parliament, Diane Abbott, has been suspended from the Labour Party after writing a letter about racism and then saying she didn't mean any of it. Now, Jason, can you take us through this? Diane Abbott has has battled and been a victim of racism all her life. So what's she done here? So she she wrote a letter to the Observer, which rather embarrassing to the Observer, they seem to have missed the news story themselves, um, uh, about an article written by somebody else, which about which was kind of saying that racism comes in many different forms, and and very cack handedly and ill judged Diane Abbott. Try. I'm, I'm trying to be kind to her here. Trying to make the point that yes, there there, there are various forms of racism, but actually comparing the kind of the abuse suffered by she took example of of, of, of redheads travelers yeah. and then very unfortunately um jewish people said was not comparable to the suffering of, of, of the, the, the black people um from from and the historic legacy of, of slavery i think i know what she was on about but but you know there is a a difficulty in drawing a comparison let's say between being a redhead, but and as a father of two redheads, I am sympathetic to her cause. Um, but putting in kind of the Jewish people and kind of ignoring the, the historic anti-Semitism over many, many centuries, and <laughs> most obviously, but the, the kind of you know the, the horrific persecution by the Nazis and the, the six million people who died in the Holocaust, what was very badly judged and offensive, and there's no excuse for this. And then, I mean, she accepts that um, and has apologised. I mean, her excuse that. It was a draft letter I'm not entirely convinced about, but maybe that did happen. Um, but as you say, there's, there's a sadness here. And the sadness here is, is that Diane Abbott has probably suffered more racial, racist and kind of misogynistic abuse than any other MP. 
I mean, if you ever look at the comments on her Twitter feed, they're absolutely abhorrent. And and this is what makes it so difficult is that and and rather a bitter irony is that the, the person who who has faced more hatred and abuse than anybody else failed to understand that her language yeah I, I i didn't hear all of that i'm not sure if it's your um your signal or mine jason it's a little bit of silence at the end susie for some reason yeah maybe it's um my new auto cue software which isn't working very well <laughs> who knows but uh um i think we got your point anyway she's suffered a lot of racism and she doesn't seem to have quite grasped the different nuances of, of different groups of people who have different experiences. And, it, you know, she did point out in this letter that, you know, there were no people who seemed to be white, i.e. Jewish people or travellers, on the slave ships. And so, therefore, it wasn't the same kind of experience. It um, doesn't really quite, it's not really what com comparator, is it? Is this, yeah. a, do you think this is a reasonable reaction from the Labour Party. What do you think, viewers? Do you think this is the right thing to have done, to have suspended Diane for having said this? I mean, she's apologised extremely quickly. If you want to compare it to Jeremy Corbyn and how long it took him to not apologise, she's done amazingly well to, to turn it back straight away and immediately reverse the ferret. But it doesn't seem to have worked with Keir Starmer. Now, Lazy says... The Labour leadership have acted swiftly. Diane has at least apologised. It's quite a contrast when compared to the Dim Dom debacle of the past uh, week or so, of course, referring to Dominic Raab's bullying thing. But, Jason, is it reasonable? Because, I mean, someone's not towed the line, right? They've, they've made the party look bad, so we need to dissociate ourselves from it and suspend her from their point of view. But from the other hand, does it just you know, reignite all those headlines, all the division we've had about the Labour Party and anti-Semitism over years, about the Corbyn era, bring all this back into our lives again, when I mean, much rather it wasn't. Would Starmer conceivably have been better off just ignoring it and letting the apology be the apology? Unfortunately, I don't think he could ignore it. I, I mean, even though she had apologised, that, you know, you, you, you can't, given Labour's historic problems of anti-Semitism and Starmer's pledge on his first day as leader to, 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 to root out that poison from the party. If he, if he just stood by, then it, he would have become under a lot of attack and it would have been seen as kind of a, a, a weakness on his behalf and, and that would have reignited the whole issue. I mean, I, I think some of the right-wing papers here are going, you know, Labour is, is you know, once again involved in anti-Semitism rows are slightly unfair. It's it, it one MP. I mean, you can't, you know, tarnish a whole party because of the actions of one, one MP who's made a mistake um, and has used, you know, unacceptable formulation of language. Um, mm. And But it's in the right's interest to, to, mm. to stir that up. Um, and I can see why they're doing it. I, I think it's slightly unfair. I mean, the, the bit I find difficult here is that Diane is an awkward person. I, I know her quite well. She's a but, funny fish, isn't she? She's a funny fish. She is. She's quite shy. I don't think people get this. And she's not as confident as you, you'd sometimes imagine. And and sometimes, you know, she's she's... You've got to admire a lot for what she did. As you said, you know, the first black woman in parliament overcoming incredible kind of prejudice um, has kind of um, been a kind of amazing trailblazer in many, many ways. 
you know, risen kind of, you know, to, to, to shadow cabinet level. But there's so much to admire about Diane, but also, you know, she's her worst own worst enemy and always has been, you know, but she's kind of charges of hypocrisy have been placed against her where, you know, she kind of, um, she's always been on the left of a party, which is fine because, you know, there's, there's space in the party for people with those views, but she's kind of, she's also kind of supported causes which are sometimes quite difficult to justify. I, and she, you know, people are, people are complicated and Diane is a co complicated person. And sometimes I think you, there needs to be a bit of nuance here and a little bit of understanding that, that, that you know, uh, trying to just kind of like kind of, I, I feel this applies to all politicians, but but particularly in this case, that you know, if you try and just kind of say they are just one simple thing mm. and pigeonhole mm. them like that, is is to do a kind of um, a disservice to somebody who's actually a very complicated character, and, and and with complicated characters come all different shades and all different opinions. Mm. Exactly, and, and someone who could achieve all the things that she had done in the mm. in the wake of in the face of all that. Uh, Objection and prejudice is is going to be unusual, shall we say, uh, to start with, in, yeah. in the way that they deal with some of the word, as an awful lot of trailblazers will have been. Now, Tim says it's completely lazy; it just has the same label being held around, and it does a huge injustice to real anti-Semitism. Gwyneth says she should resign because her views are opposite to what the Labour Party now stands for. She's toxic. Um, it's got to be remarked upon, hasn't it, Jason, that even the hard left, the Corbynistas, the, the, the people who would have who made such a fuss about anti-Semitism in the party over the past few years, they aren't mm. defending this. They're not coming out, at least they weren't when I came on air here. They, they're not coming out and saying, God save Diane. You know, uh, I think the founder of Momentum uh, has said something, but, you know, Corbyn himself even, they've all been fairly quiet, really. And they've said that it's fairly indefensible. Is it possible, do you think, that momentum and the, the activists on that side of the party have realised that their, their front-facing you know, people, their leaders, are being slowly ejected by Starmer, that this kind of thing gives them exactly the gunpowder that, that side of, the other side of the party needs to clear it out? It might be wise, perhaps, to keep a low profile for a bit, you know, just, just wind it in slightly, rather than cause the big fuss and noise they have done over the past this is really fascinating something you picked on here so so if you talk to those on on the left of a party but what you know what they is they call the campaign group of this kind of you know the hardcore of of, of holders of the, of the jeremy corden kind of talk so to speak um, that they are um, very fearful at the moment that, 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 that the leadership is looking for any excuse to drive them out of the party. Um, and they say they're all, like, they accuse kind of Starmer's team of almost setting traps for them to, to, to find a way, a mechanism to get, get them out. Um, so um, they are keeping a low profile precisely because of this, um, because they, they fear that um, if they are driven out, then they lose all influence on what mm. happened um, um, if Labour was to win the next general election. So but perhaps what's fascinating them... here is one of the reasons they're keeping a low profile is if it's a hung parliament, then they suddenly have leverage because Corbyn, or even if Corbyn has a small majority, they have leverage because Corbyn mm. won't be able to get any legislation through without having the whole support of all the MPs. So suddenly you get a handful of MPs. You don't need three or four 
who could completely change the terms of debate because they're saying, mm -hmm. we're not going to support you, you'll get your legislation through, maybe you've got to listen to us. So they are in some ways playing a, a, a long game here. And, and it partly explains why you're not seeing them running to the barricades in support of Corbyn and, and, and Diane Abbott. All right, so they're taking the long-term view to wind their necks in a little bit publicly now, wait till Labour comes into power, and then perhaps start, you know, using the, the back corridors of power, as it were, to, to exert influence over the next Labour government. Uh, Tim says there's certainly a purge happening at the moment. The silence is not surprising. It's fear. From what Jason just said, Tim, it's, it's not fear, it's long-termism. Uh, Michael says, left-wingers are held to a higher standard. If it was a right-wing, centrist MP with an apology, it would have been forgotten about. If it was a Tory that had written something like this, um, if it was one of Starmer's sort of side of the party who had written something like this and there was a very quick apology, has Michael got a point? Would that have been allowed to slide? Or is Diane, is this the excuse they wanted to suspend Diane? Sorry, Jason, I, I, I think this is always the case. The left are always held. <laughs> we're, we're struggling a bit here, Susie, aren't we? Yeah, it's your Wi-Fi, I quite, think. Can you um, hear me? I, we can hear you, don't worry. But we've got you mid-cup of tea there, mid-swig. Um, do you think this is... Oh, uh, nice do you think what Michael's point there... Yeah, was... I, I think this is... I think he's got a very good point. I, I, the left is always held to a higher standard. Um, and in some ways you could... Uh, like they should be, because you know the values matter to them. But it also it's a case of you know the hypocrisy of having a, a kind of you know a predominantly right wing press, which is always going to gun for Labour and always pick on even the slightest kind of misdemeanor or lapse. I'm not saying Diane Abbott's was a slight misdemeanor. I'm just saying that's what they would do. And as mm. such, Labour has to has to you know will always come under more criticism. And they have to kind of, you know, but, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I, I think less should be held to a higher standard of account. <laughs> it's, it's good. It, it shows their values are stronger. Because you, because you, all oh right, because you, you think that the right has, is not going to stand up to quite some amount of scrutiny. No. Yeah, well, we should, we should <laughs> we'll have to wait and see how things turn out for Diane, won't we? And whether that apology actually turns out to be enough in the long run. Now, uh, now we need to go on to the big story of the day. Uh, keep asking us your questions about Diane Abbott, everybody. What do you think about her suspension? Do you think she she think she had a point in her letter? Or do you think she should just have the benefit of the doubt? It was an early draft that got sent in that shouldn't have got sent in. Whoops-a-daisy. Um, and she's apologised very quickly. What more could anybody do with it in the absence of a time machine? But um, let us know. We'll try and wrap at the end. But now to the big story of the day. And it's been said before, right, that Rod Stewart, who, for those of you watching on YouTube, used to be a singer and a tax exile, um, used some of his millions to pay a little while ago for some MRI scans in his hometown of Harlow in Essex. And at the time, he said he gave interviews saying the COVID backlogs need, need easing. Uh, and he's during these interviews, he said that the nurses should be paid more for the jobs that they do. Now, he's gone a step further, Jason, here. And he says that in an interview yesterday, he seems to have said that this, he supports the nurses' strikes wholeheartedly. This isn't what Rishi Sunak is going to want to hear from someone who was a fairly high profile Tory supporter and he can command the front pages like this. This isn't helpful, is it? What the most important thing here to my mind, Susie, is not that it's a, uh, a famous name saying this. It's Rod Stewart, comma, 78, comma, it's his age. This is what's so fascinating. Um, 
um, he is not alone in being a lifelong Tory voter who is now disenchanted with the Conservatives. The bulk of the Conservative support, overwhelmingly at the last two elections, was the over 65s. They were more likely to vote Conservative than anything else. Yeah? And the Tories rely on older voters to win. If they don't mm. have them, they can't win the next election. So when Sir Rod and others of his age bracket are turning against the Tories, then the Conservatives should really start to be panicking because if they've lost them, they haven't got a base. No, exactly. Now, and of course, what do you think, everybody? Get into the questions, okay? Get into the comments and let us know. Do you think Ross Stewart's right? Do you think he's indicative, as Jason suggests, there of other 78-year-olds who have realised, you know, people who grew up with the NHS, perhaps, uh, and the early days of the NHS, and you just see there is absolutely no argument about this, that you, you just pay the nurses more, and that's that. We've got a 48-hour nurses' strike next week, Jason. The government is trying to move away from clapping for carers and clamping them in irons instead because they're taking it to court and insisting that strike is illegal because it's exceeded the, the mandate that they got six months ago. But Rod says, I'm well on their side. I was absolutely with them, he said. They come before anything. And he says they were absolutely right to down tools. You know, if rich old Tories like Rod are saying it, how long... I suppose it's the same question you've just answered in a way, but how long is it going to take for the rich young Tories in government to realise that this is this is major? This isn't just Rod Stewart, like you say. It's millions of other people who are going to feel the same way. Yeah, it is extraordinary. We've gone from clapping them to clapping them in irons. It's by this mm. court case. It's, it's, but, but, I mean, these things are always delicate and moods can swing very quickly. But, but, but the Conservatives, when this industrial dispute started, um, were still kind of under this illusion of like they're rerunning the kind of winter of discontent, which we'll come on to a bit in a bit because it's referred to by John Burko in his article as well in the Mirror today. And, and they thought that by standing up and being tough against the unions, it would be a, an automatic vote winner. What has kind of, kind of um, surprised them and kind of, um, and caught them of kind of off off guard is actually the public have have have, have sided with 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 the industrial action and, mm. and and have not taken the Tory line. Um, and the polls are showing. I mean, it slightly depends on the dispute, but it's definitely in the case of the nurses and with the teachers, that the, 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 the majority support them um, going on strike for a, a pay rise, and they feel they deserve a pay rise. Yeah. And that's um, that's what's so interesting. As Mike points out there, he says the health secretary has meanwhile announced he is suing the nurses that he used to clap. This doesn't strike me as in keeping with the public mood, largely in favour of paying NHS staff their worth. You know, Rod has even said that he wants to pay for more MRI scans. He could do 30 or 40 a day by paying for an MRI unit, which he is happy to afford to do, which seeing as he left the country, I think, back in the 70s or 80s in order to stop paying so much tax, is jolly decent of him. But he said, it's like banging your head against a brick wall. People are crying out for them and I can't get anybody to do it. What? Why not, Jason? If someone is offering to pay for the MRI scans that are diagnostic, that help people get the treatment they need in the right time and everything else, why aren't people biting his arm off to do this? Why aren't the NHS Trust saying, over here, please, Rod, we could do with one? Are they all just too busy striking or are they have they had some kind of political order not to take his very outspoken help? Or am I being cynical? I 
I don't know if you answered that question, Susie, at all. I don't understand the inner workings of NHS management. It's all <laughs> mystery to me. I, I can, I'm afraid. But I suspect it's, it's probably a combination of not mm -hmm. quite knowing how that pay chain would work, how the paperwork would come yeah. through, and also perhaps not wanting the interviews outside your hospital, because that's what yeah. would happen, isn't I, it? I, I think what it does feed into, and it, which is kind of something I, I have from various conversations, my mother, who's more or less the same age as Rod, is this kind of real frustration that nothing seems to work properly. Mm. And, and, you know, you, you know, you talk to people and they're trying to get GP appointments and they can't get them. And then they're kind of they're, they're trying to kind of, kind of, you know, get public transport somewhere and it doesn't seem to work. And then. It, and it's you know maybe want a dentist appointment but you can't find an NHS dentist and and it just goes on and on and I think that's kind of that real kind of just like people are just kind of constantly battling for, for services which used to be provided very efficiently and 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 you know and and I think that's kind of partly what the kind of rod is tapped into you know but why aren't there MRI scans mm. <laughs> why has it got to this situation but it's much yeah. bigger than that. It's across the board of every form of, of, of public service. In some way, it seems to be kind of um, either broken or, 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 or so much worse than it was when the Conservatives came to power 13 years ago. Exactly. Everything's got a pothole in, isn't it? Effectively, every yeah. public service in some way has been allowed to go to rack and ruin, just rot. The weather gets in it and it gets worse and worse. Lindsay says, I'm an old fart. No, you're not, Lindsay. Um, to me, the NHS is the one jewel in the crown this country has left and kill it off at your peril. Um, I think so, Lindsay, and that is definitely the comment of the day. So get into my messages and you will get the news agenda mug. You just give me your address. Kirsty from the other day didn't bother to get in touch with me, so she hasn't got her mug. So, Lindsay, please message me and we'll sort one out for you. Um, this is part of the problem, isn't it, I think, Jason, because, you know, in the... Back in the 70s, with the last big wave of industrial action that we had, the 70s and the early 80s. Um, and again, my parents would tell you the same kind of thing was happening. Nothing was working. You couldn't get a train. You couldn't make a phone call. The bills were going through the roof. Inflation, blah, 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 all the rest of it. And it was strike, 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 strike. Industrial action all the time. The whole country being ground to a halt. Labour was in power. Labour got the blame. And the unions got the blame. And the general public view, if you weren't in a union, was that it just wasn't terribly good. Um, but now, fast forward 40 odd years and we've got strikes, strikes, strikes. Everything's not working. You can't catch a train. Everything's potholed. The country seems to be going down the tubes. Um, but the Tories have been in power for 13 years. And so the public have got a, quite a, a high level of support for the strikers this time round. And it's because blame is being apportioned differently, I think, isn't it? The same problems in a way, but we've tried nationalisation and it wasn't working in the 70s and we've tried privatisation and now that's gone to hell as well. And there's just this general sense that we'd like the other guys to take over now and try yeah. it differently. I mean, you know, Ronald Reagan won the 1980 presidential election by asking the very simple question, do you feel better off than you did four years ago? Mm. And, and, and people said, no, they didn't. They, you know, they, they, inflation was soaring. Um, Jimmy Carter had been a disappointment. Um, uh, and Labour's now asking the same question, do you feel better off 13 years ago? And 13 years is a lot longer to feel worse off, aren't I? Uh, and, and, and the Tories don't have an answer to that question. And until they do, but, but, but you know, it's going to be very hard to see how they, how they can win the next general election. 
Yeah, because all they, the only people they can blame are civil servants and go, well, it's not our fault. We've tried to do it. We've just been stopped by the lawyers and the podcasters and the, the liberal media elite. And it's all somebody else's fault. Well, yeah, it's, it's, the country, it, well. it's toffle eating woke activists who are responsible for the decline of this country, not the people in charge. Yes, they've, yeah. they've gone new out. The elite, they're oh, responsible, so. Susie. It's people like you and me, the new elite, we're responsible. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm very elite being a single parent. <laughs> state educated mild disability yeah i that's me it's my yep. fault everybody sorry i've been personally stopping boris johnson and rishi sunak all this time um yep. maybe they read my columns and decided that this, you know they'd read it and get so depressed ago there's no point to damn stay in bed um <laughs> <laughs> maybe if only that had actually happened things might have gone a bit easier um now, Rod's not the only one to turn his coat uh, on this particular issue. And as Jason mentioned earlier, the case of former Speaker John Burkow, this isn't even the first time he's done it. Now, he's written in the paper today about how he became a Tory in the winter of discontent. And I suppose he's in his 60s, isn't he? I think maybe early 70s now. He's coming into Rod Stewart's age bracket a bit, although he's younger quite a bit, um, although probably about the same height. Um Horrified at all the strikes in the 70s, became a Tory, but now he's saying he's supportive of all these strikes and thinks they're 100% right to down tools while, as he calls it, defending themselves against a government that is hell-bent on cutting their pay. Now, Jason, is uh, Sir John's intervention going to mean as much as Rod's? Is it indicative of a certain age bracket in the same way, or is this just John Burkow being John Burkow? Well, um, I just Googled while you were speaking, but he's 60, so that's very good. <gasps> Sorry, John! <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> Young John Burko. Um, I there was a slight problem with John Burko is that obviously he he got badly censored for for for, for allegedly bullying behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, his reputation is is not you know as 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 good as it could be, which slightly undermines everything he says. But it's still fascinating that somebody who was very much on the right of the party when he joined the Conservatives, um, you know, he, he was in the kind of, you know, that, the hanging and flogging kind of kind of clique of the Tories, has moved so far um, and has, you know, seen, seen, seen the light, so to speak. And obviously we, we welcome all, all sinners um, and repenters. Yes, well, it's uh, it's, it's welcome, of course, that he's uh, he's changed his tune, and it's someone else, I suppose, uh, which the Tories aren't going to particularly welcome having that news. Now, unfortunately, everybody, we've got a bit of breaking news for you, and I'm afraid it's very sad news. Uh, the former Strictly Come Dancing chief judge, Len Goodman, has died. He's passed away peacefully in a hospice after a short illness. Um, where he's obviously uh, been surrounded by his family and friends. Now, Jason, I don't know about you, whether you're a big fan of, of Strictly and ballroom dancing, but, you know, that show has been on the telly for, I don't know how many years now, 20-odd years. Len Goodman was a massive part of it for a huge chunk of that time. He went and did the US version as well. Uh, he's one of Kent's finest sons at the People's Republic, um, and he's going to be greatly missed, isn't he? I, I'm a I'm a strictly fan from millennia. era. Does that make sense? I he, he, was, he just came across as a genuinely nice bloke, didn't he? Yeah, decent, kind of old-fashioned values in a way, in a, in a best possible sense. You know, yeah, polished shoes and a, and a smart jacket and a you know hold your yeah. lady properly. What are you doing? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, and there was no malice there, and you know that's I think he made that's why the program worked because he was so nice mm. and, and kind of you know. 
and he genuinely cared, didn't he, as well? He cared about the yeah. dancing and he cared about the dancers and he cared yeah. about getting it right as well, the technique and, you know, um, not just having... I remember him saying when there, there were some sort of celebrity judges came on for a while, there was Alicia Dixon and a couple of others mm. that, but, you know, they don't quite know what it is they're talking about. And, um, you know, he wanted it to be absolutely right, didn't he? Which is but, no bad thing. Yeah, that's really sad because he was, yeah. you know... He was an institution. Yeah, another one lost, sadly. Um, but you know, we've still got Tony Beak, so it's it's not all awful. Although, uh, unfortunately, uh, there is no other Lengoodman. He he was the best, and he's gone. It's terribly sad as we see now. Ten, it meant something. That's it. Yeah, a ten from Len was proper. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now, when you watch Strictly, all you do is you wait for the last two weeks until for Craig gets out his paddle. And when he finally got his 10 paddle out for Fleur, I was actually in tears because I was waiting for it for so long. Um, whereas Shirley, she gives a 10 out every five minutes. Yeah. You know, she's just too nice in a way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, RIP Len. Uh, we're all terribly sad. Uh, and our best wishes go out to Len and his family. Uh, it's rotten news, but at least, you know, he's died peacefully and hopefully with his family around him, which is probably one of the, the better ways one can hope to go. Uh, and he brought a lot of joy to people while he was here. So thank you, Len. Um, now, we're going to need to move on now because uh, somehow we've got to segue into something called good news. Um, and we do have some for you. Uh, it happened over the weekend. And here it is. Now, if you've been living under a rock for the past few years, you might not know that two Hollywood stars bought the struggling Welsh football club, Wrexham AFC, a couple of years ago for £2 million, pocket money to them. This weekend, fans saw their side win the Football League for the first time in 15 years. Now, there was a pitch invasion. Ryan Reynolds says he woke up smelling of champagne and grass. People still don't know how to say Rob McElhenney's name. And half of Wales is in the best mood since Owen Glendower last rode over the hill. Jason, is this proof that if someone else believes in you and backs it with some money, of course, absolutely anything is possible? But they, I've never understood here, Susie. Why did they choose Wrexham? They say this is why they chose Wrexham because they could, I suppose, they could make the difference. That yeah. you know, a small club that really needed the help was yeah. the one to spend the money on. As I, know, I mean, I don't mean why they chose Wrexham, but just why did they go for a small little club? I just this is a bit. I don't know. Could have been Gillingham, but they they didn't yeah. want to come to Kent. Idiots. Yeah. But no, it was Wrexham. I mean, Gillingham's a lovely community club, and I enjoy watching Charlton beat them but that's not the point I'm just um I, it's lovely for Wrexham I'm really pleased for them and you know just not quite sure why they picked Wales as opposed yeah. to anywhere else but they must have been the one that was up for sale and had the right had yeah. the right things for them there is a documentary yeah. about it I think on Disney which it's I put yeah yeah and one day I'll work out which one's Ryan Gosling and which one's Ryan Reynolds and my life will be so much happier Ryan Gosling's <laughs> blonde Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. I mean, it's not difficult. Uh, try and keep up. But of course, perhaps there's a message in there for the NHS as well. Uh, you know, if someone believes in you, someone puts the money in you, you can do amazing things. It just needs that belief to happen in the first place. Um, anyway, thank you for everybody for taking part in that today. Thank you, Jason, for taking us through it. Thanks, um, sorry about my internet. Sorry about the internet, but we persevered. We got through it. It settled down in the end. Um, Lindsay, don't forget to get in my 
messages and we'll send you a mug. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find it. And thank you to Sam in the background who brought us the breaking news as well. Uh, and we'll see you all again on Wednesday, everybody, for another edition of the News Agenda. Till then, tatty bye. <laughs>